and a great man, and he, he, he thought that Jesus being the Messiah was going to bring a great deliverance. Okay, look what it says in verse um, 21. It says, but we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Bob Dale shared a great word last week about just the misconceptions that the Jews had regarding the work of the Messiah. They thought the Messiah was going to come and it was going to be a military or a political deliverance. That finally they, the Jews were going to be out from under the, uh, the dominion of the Roman Empire. But that was not what Jesus came to do. He came to deliver. He came to do something really far more significant. He came to deliver human beings, you and I, from the power and the bondage and the slavery of sin. He wasn't talking about, or Jesus' first mission was not to deliver us from political or national enemies. So they did not understand that. This caused them great, great confusion. The third thing, they're disappointed. The third thing is they're extremely confused. So add into this, there's a report that comes back from some of the women that were part of the, the, the team of disciples that were following Jesus. And the women came, they went to the tomb early in the morning, and they found it empty. And instead of Jesus' body there, there was angels that said, this Jesus is alive. Then some other disciples, probably some of the men, went, ran to the tomb, and they confirmed, or at least partially confirmed, what the ladies said. Yes, Jesus is not there, his body is not found, but you know, actually we didn't find him either, so there's no sign of him. So you just add all of this stuff up, the sadness, the disappointment, the confusion, really uh, now, this is not an allegory, and I don't want to preach it that way, but boy, doesn't that really describe the human condition? Sadness, disappointment, no one I know that's lived any time at all hasn't dealt with deep disappointments in life along the way. And just confusion. What on earth is going on here? We thought Jesus was the Messiah, and now he died? And now there's all these reports that he's risen, but we haven't found him. And they're totally confused and totally brokenhearted. Bottom line is this, my friends. A dead Jesus is truly a bleak and a sad world to live in. I'll say it again. A dead Jesus is truly a bleak and a sad world to be a part of. The Apostle Paul alluded to this in uh, 1 Corinthians 15 when he talks about the, uh, you know, there was, a, there was a common teaching in the day that Jesus didn't really rise from the dead. I'm going to read just a few of these verses. <clears throat> Verse uh, 12, chapter 15. Now, if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how, come, how can some of you say there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there's no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. So he basically makes this case that if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, my friends, then we're toast. <laughs> the Christian faith is just a bunch of hooey. It's, there's nothing to it. There's no resurrection, then our preaching is in vain. There's no substance to it. 
verse 14. If Christ has not been raised, then our preaching's in vain and your faith is in vain. Verse 15. If there's no, no resurrection, we are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified about God that He raised Christ. But if He didn't raise Him, then it's, that's not true. So, our preaching is in vain. Our faith is in vain. Every preacher, in essence, is a liar. Um, if there's no resurrection, our faith is futile. We're still in our sins. And he goes on and says, those that have died in Christ have actually perished. And then he sums it up with this bleak assessment. He basically says, um, if, Christ, if in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. Basically, if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, Christians are pitiful. There's nothing to our faith. It's a bunch of hot air. Everything rests upon the reality of the resurrection. But then the Apostle Paul, just to set the record straight, says this. He says, But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. So my friends, the good news is Jesus has risen from the dead. It's an absolute settled fact. Okay? And so, understandably, these guys are in a pretty dark place. They're confused, they're sad, they're disappointed because they had not yet known that Jesus was risen. So let, let's uh, keep picking up the story here. Okay? Back in uh, Luke 24. So, it was found just as the women had said, verse uh, 24, but him they did not see. Then Jesus responds, He said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into His glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, He interpreted to them in all the Scriptures the things concerning Himself. So first of all, Jesus gives them kind of a small gentle rebuke here. He says, why are you, you know, oh foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe. So there's this, there's no doubt, there's a, a, a little bit of an admonition, a little bit of a reproof here in, in that assessment of these guys. But then Jesus goes on and he fixes the problem, and how does he do that? He opens to them the Bible. He opens to them the Scriptures. And he goes through... And shows them in the Old Testament how all of the stories in the Old Testament, all of them are really pointing to Him. It's amazing. Talk about a great sermon. This would have been the greatest sermon of all time. So Jesus teaches them. Okay, guys, let me, let me just open up the, the Old Testament for you. Now understand, these were Jews. These guys understood. They had heard the Scripture their entire life. And... Um, but Jesus opens it up to them. He goes on and he talks about probably the seed of the woman in that original prophecy early on in Genesis. And he basically says, that's talking about me, guys. Remember the skins that God um, covered Adam and Eve with? They couldn't cover their own sin. They tried with the fig leaves. But then God killed an animal and covered them with skins of an animal. 
Guess what? That points to me, to my sacrifice, my blood. Hey guys, remember the story about Abraham and how God promised him a son in his old age? Well, that is symbolic talking about me. The, uh, the sacrifice that uh, Abraham was told to sacrifice his only son. Guess what, guys? That was talking in a symbolic, uh, kind of foreshadowing way of my sacrifice. And he just probably went on, on and on and on. Joseph and uh, his ascent to power into the throne in Egypt. Moses and the genocide of baby Moses. Moses being the deliverer of God's people. All of these accounts point to me. The Passover lamb and how the Passover, the blood had to be put on the doorpost, the lentils of the door. Hey guys, that whole story symbolically points to me. I am the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Remember the story, guys, about the serpent on the pole and all those poisonous vipers were uh, biting people and killing people. And Moses made a serpent, put it up on a pole and said, you got to stare at this, you got to gaze at this. That's the only way to live. That story is about me. If I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto myself. Guys, remember the whole sacrificial system. All the sacrifices under the Mosaic law, the burnt offering, the grain offering, the peace offering, the sin offering, the guilt offering, all of that is pointing to me. I'm the fulfillment of all of that. And on and on and on and on. He could have talked about Jonah and the great fish being in the great the belly of the fish for three days. He could have talked about Isaiah 53 and the suffering servant. He went on and on and on and talked about all the Old Testament stories, how they pointed to him. What an amazing sermon that must have been. That must have been absolutely incredible. And so Jesus expounded on all of those, saying how all the Old Testament scripture pointed to him. He was the fulfillment of all of it. All the law, all the sacrifices, all, all, the, uh, all of it. And so, um, very important. So, um, so I want you to notice the progression here. So these guys start out sad, very discouraged, confused, and then Jesus starts opening to them the scripture. And now notice, I want you to see the next part of the story here. So let's pick it up here in verse 28. So, they drew near to the village. They're just about heading into Emmaus. They drew near to the village to which they were going. He acted as if he was going further. But they urged him strongly, saying, Oh, stay with us, for it's toward evening, and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at table with them, he took the bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them. Verse 31, the turning point. The lights go on. And their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And their eyes were opened and they recognized him. What a beautiful description of conversion. Their eyes were opened. Isn't that a great description of conversion? Their eyes were opened. 
They knew immediately who he was. And then, listen to this, and he vanished from their sight. And they said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? And they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem. And they found the eleven and those who were with them gathered together saying, The Lord is risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of bread. Do you see the end state of these two disciples? These guys are in a completely different they're transformed. They are really radically changed by the end of this story. I love it. Now, how do we know? What, is, what does transformation look like? Well, first of all, look at verse 31. It says their eyes were open. I mentioned how that's a beautiful, simple, succinct description of conversion. But I, I want you to see what, what, what is not said here in verse 31. It says their eyes were open. They recognized him. And he vanished from their sight. Note it doesn't say that Jesus left them and disappeared. Kind of like, you know, I I thought of the story of Philip the evangelist in, in Acts. When he baptized the Ethiopian eunuch, it says the spirit caught him away. Okay, that That's not the same thing that's being said here. It says their eyes were opened, they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. He didn't leave them, he just disappeared to them. Okay, he did not leave them. Believer, Jesus says, I will never leave you, nor forsake you. What did happen though, is they went from using these eyes... Okay, to the eyes of faith. He never left them. It just says he disappeared to to their sight. That to me is really important and really significant. Jesus said for you and I as believers, now let me just say, I love it and I appreciate when I feel God's presence. I sometimes feel his presence in worship, corporate worship with other believers. Sometimes I feel his presence when... God speaks to me in my quiet time. Sometimes I feel his presence when, in, in, in different ways in my life. But guess what? Sometimes I don't feel his presence. And I'm like, I don't feel anything. But you know what? My confidence, my faith rests in what Jesus said. And he said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. So if I feel him, it's awesome. When I don't feel him, Bummer, but guess what? He's still with me because he said he'd never leave me nor forsake me. That's a promise for every single believer, every single Christian. So he vanished from their sight. He didn't leave them. He just vanished from their sight. They walk by, we walk by faith, not by sight. So the second thing that happens, the true transformation, first is this living by faith. Now, these guys were, were going to start living by faith. The second thing is verse 32. They said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? The second thing that's happening in these disciples is their heart is on fire. (laughs) A burning heart. 
I got news for you, my friend. God wants every Christian to be on fire. There's only one type of Christian that God knows, and that's an on fire Christian. And when we're not on fire, guess what? He wants to help. He wants to, you know, kind of uh, blow em- blow on the embers of our hearts so we are on fire. Okay, critically important. These guys were burning. There was something inside of them happening, a passion, a love, the fire of God's love, God's truth, God's presence. Holy Spirit fire was happening as Jesus was expounding the scripture to them. And thirdly, notice this. And they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem. Okay? They got up and they said, Oh my God, (laughs) Jesus is alive. And they got up and ran. I don't know if they ran, but they went all the way back to Jerusalem. I envision the road from Jerusalem to Emmaus being very slow and very tiring. And it, they were sad. They were confused. They were discouraged. They were despondent. They were really hurting. It was a, probably a long seven miles. Remember, when by the time they got there, it was to stay with us. So... Jesus stays with them. But as soon as they understand that Jesus is risen from the dead, all of a sudden they have all this energy. All, and they literally get, they take the seven-mile track back to Jerusalem. Amazing. This, to me, shows their great transformation. To living by faith, they went, their hearts were on fire, and then they were completely motivated to go tell others. So, may we, I guess my, my concluding thought is in this story, may we resemble the two disciples on the road to Emmaus. I have news for you. The only way, God does it the same way today. We have to have an understanding that Jesus is truly alive from the dead. And that will change us. I mean, if we think about it, if we honestly believe Jesus rose from the dead, that should change everything. It should change our perspective about the future. It should change our perspective about ourselves. It should change our perspective and understanding of all the mistakes and all the sin and everything we've messed up. Everything should change when we really understand that Jesus has risen from the dead. May our eyes be open to the resurrected Jesus. So like Paul said in Galatians, he says, I'm crucified with Christ. It's no longer I that live, but Christ that lives in me. And the life that I now live, I live by faith. I don't have to see him with these eyes. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Secondly, may we aspire to be on fire for God. Now this is not just human, you know, this isn't human effort. This is Holy Spirit fire. We can't, we, we can't work this up and we certainly can't maintain it over our life. You know, it says in Ephesians, Paul said, don't be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, wastefulness, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. We're admonished, commanded to be filled with the Holy Spirit Every day, all the time. 
speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. May we be on fire for God. May we cultivate our relationship with Him that we, and we allow Him to blow on the embers of our life. Yes, our life is hard. Trials can, can weary us. I get all of that stuff. But let's not settle for anything other than an on-fire heart for God. And lastly, may we be motivated like these guys. <laughs> Think about it. It's already late in the day. They're probably, they already walked seven miles once, but they get so energized. They are so excited. They, are so, they, they have to tell somebody. They have to go connect with the, uh, the apostles back in Jerusalem. They've got to tell them, we've seen him. The report that the ladies originally shared that they heard from the angel is so. Jesus really is alive. God, Please help us. We need to be, we ought to be that excited because Jesus truly is alive. So God bless you, my friends. If you have never personally, maybe you've heard this story. Maybe you grew up going to church and you've really never yielded your life to Jesus Christ. Listen, he's alive from the dead. He died on the cross. He never is the only one that lived a perfect life. And he died not for anything he did wrong. He died for your wrong and my wrong. Our sin. And then he was buried in a tomb. And one of the things I love about the Gospels, all of them, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, is how the people were caught off guard by this. They were surprised by it. Jesus kind of rebuked them. They were slow to believe. And you know what? That's like, okay, I can relate to that. that ex that's my experience too. The first time I didn't hear this good news, I was not ready to surrender my life to Jesus. But maybe you're here today and you're ready. You're tired. You're, you've had enough of life. It's left you confused. It's left you sad. It's left you disillusioned and disappointed. I've got news for you. Jesus rose from the dead to give you life. But you've got to open your heart to him. He's alive from the grave. Pray this prayer with me, if you would. Father, thank you for sending your son, Jesus Christ. Jesus, thank you for living a perfect life, a life that I have not lived, but you lived a perfect life. And then, Jesus, you willingly laid your life down. Nobody took it from you. You willingly laid your life down on that cross. And then, Lord, you came out of the tomb three days later, and we are absolutely 100% convinced that you are alive from the grave. Lord, you revealed yourself to these two guys on the road to Emmaus. You revealed yourself to all 12 of the apostles. You revealed yourself to uh, the apostle Paul. You revealed yourself to over 500 believers one time. You, you showed them. Lord, we thank you. We praise you. We honor you. Help us to be just as excited as these guys were about the fact, not a myth, not a hope, the fact that Jesus has risen from the dead. All of our sins are paid for, and we thank you, we praise you, and we honor you. We pray, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.